Akona Mlamleli joins us tonight to make sense of this and many other stories. Akona, good evening to you and welcome. Good evening, Yabonga. The listeners this evening, how are you? I'm well, thank you. I certainly hope you are not in the dark and uh, cold, wintry night. But, uh, yeah, what do you make of what ESCOM is saying here? Saying earlier on, it's because the workers are out picketing and there's a uh, withdrawal of labor. And now saying we've managed to find one another. The unions are saying go back to work. Um, but effectively, this is not the end of the wage negotiations that they walked out of last week. Um, and certainly not the end of load shedding. Yeah, because I know the minister this afternoon was also in Parliament, um, so just giving an update in terms of what's making the current situation uh, at the elevated levels that it's currently at. Um, as you indicated, it, it, ha- it has been a combination of factors um, with regards to the, the strike that, um, as you indicated, um, unions have urged their employees to go back. Um, but I think uh, it, I think it's a it's not the only thing, Ayabonga. Um, it's a number of other. Um, challenges, which unfortunately, um, as the statement came out this morning, that uh, some of the power stations um, are currently um, stressed and under pressure. So, um, yes, it's one of the many things, but I think it's only one of the many issues or the challenges that we're currently facing um, with regard to ESCOM. Just makes things so so difficult. Um, I mean, you know, be it in lost production at a firm level, be it just in the disruptions to our lives. You know, everything, just getting everywhere takes a lot longer. Um, mm. And it just, you know, contributes, I guess, to, to the misery that often comes with this kind of weather. Yeah, and also just the morale of all of us. I think um, when the news came out this morning um, that we could be going to stage six um, later this afternoon, I think just the morale was like, what now? Like, how can mm. it get to this elevated level? What needs to be done? Um, how can it take so long? So there's a lot of frustration um, a lot of disarray, a lot of just many questions a lot of South Africans are asking themselves. It's, it's been over a decade um, of this continuous, continuous blackout. Um, and I think we all just a bit fatigued um, of, of the inconvenience that it's obviously brought into our own lives, um, be it work, be it our personal home. But I think we will see it in the numbers, in the Q2 numbers, we'll mm. be later this year, in terms of how businesses have been affected. Um, be it in malls, be it in um, factories, manufacturing, um, small businesses. Um, I think we'll see it um, in those numbers, kind of the, obviously the third quarter when they do release the Q2 numbers. Um, so I think we'll see how things are faring, and I don't think they'll be getting any better because we, as mm. we're well aware of is um, global growth has already um, is anticipated to obviously be at all-time lows. Um, and with the other macroeconomic um, challenges um, globally, but I think the challenges at, ho- at home here have just been exacerbated um, on so many levels that yeah. w- it doesn't look like a good picture um, going forward, particularly for this year. Look, talking about, I guess, what uh, is going to show up in the numbers, we saw South Africa's main employment-focused enterprise-based survey, uh, a bit different to the QLFS, which looks at a household level. The quarterly employment statistics were out earlier on today. Uh, total employment up, but um, I guess m- much of that being driven by a rise in informal sector employment. And uh, yeah, it seems some of the... Um, sectors where we're seeing that employment coming through um, are community services, which includes government at multiple levels, manufacturing, and expectedly so, I guess, with the price environment and uh, higher production requirements, the mining sector. 
Yeah, so SASA released um, today the quarterly employment statistics, um, which is just a sample survey conducted by SASA, um, which is a, a survey drawn from private non-agricultural business entities such as your factories, your firms, um, and stores, um, as well as national and provincial and local, local government entities. Um, and so, they, yeah, they released the numbers this morning. Um, so total employment um, in South Africa has increased by 0.4%. Um, quarter and quarter from the first quarter of 2021 to the first quarter of this year. Um, the staff SA did indicate that um, sectors such as community services, manufacturing and mining um, contributed significantly to this number. Um, but in terms of some of the granular numbers, um, so according to staff SA, um, this indicates about 42,000 people were more employed uh, on a quarter and quarter basis. But just looking at the full-time and the part-time, I think those numbers are quite important to highlight. Um, full-time employment saw an increase, a marginal increase, of just over 1,000 um, in terms of workers from December of 2021 um, to the first quarter of this year. And as I, as I indicated, um, business services and the likes of your mining contributed quite sparingly. Um, however, sectors such as your manufacturing mm. were to come under strain during this period. Um, construction, which has continues to be a sector that doesn't seem to be um, improving in terms of numbers um, yeah. was significantly impacted in terms Look, of Look, I mean, numbers. nearly nearly 5% declined year on year for, for the construction sector. I mean, 563,000 people were employed in the sector in March of 2021, only 536,000 employed in the, the corresponding, um, uh, I guess, quarter out in 2022. Yeah, so I think this number is not surprising. Um, as you recall from the unemployment numbers which were released and also the GDP numbers, it is a sector that continues and has not recovered in terms of um, a lot of the sectors, be it your cement um, companies, the industry, the building environment industry, they're all waiting um, for these um, implemented projects to take place, these infrastructure projects that were announced at the budget speech um, earlier this year um, that, were, that were announced. So I think it's a sector that will only start picking up once these infrastructure projects um, start being implemented and funding continuously goes to them um, because it's not only affecting the sector, but you recall um, a lot of the cement companies have come out with regards to numbers in the past few days. So PPC came out earlier um, this week. Um, Aftermath came out last week. Um, indicating that um, they just need these infrastructure projects to just get underway um, because it is a sector that needs growth and also needs jobs that can be um, that, that can obviously help South Africa and help the unemployment rate numbers. Yeah, yeah. And then if we shift our attention, I mean, I found this uh, so interesting. Um, and maybe before we go to Victoria's Secret's commitment to the 15% pledge, uh, now I didn't know what that was, uh, but let's maybe take a look at Grinrod. Uh, and uh, I guess uh, coming out, uh, one of the private sector freight logistics players and also uh, in business banking as well, uh, they uh, signaled their intention to sell uh, their bank there to African Bank. Um, but I think... What for me is of interest in their numbers is the sneak peek they give us into what is happening uh, in our ports and uh, many of our dockyards and out in our sort of dry bulk storage and handling facilities uh, in the freight and logistics sector. Uh, and it seems things are recovering somewhat. Yeah, so the freight and in terms of the freight businesses indicating volume um, grew by 26% um, for the five months ending of May mm. um, and also indicating that a 47% jump, um, particularly with regards to volumes in drive-back terminals. 
But I think what's important, as you indicated, in terms of the group bank, uh, the Greenwald Bank, rather, um, announced last month that it is looking to sell um, that Greenwald Bank um, to an African bank for approximately $1.5 billion. Um, however, I think this deal is pending, um, pending the approval from regulators, ranging from the prudential authorities um, and also the communica- uh, competition authorities, um, which will still need to obviously um, approve the particular transaction. And if you just cast your mind, um, as we know, the Reserve Bank, um, who's under the uh, Prudential Authority, um, has about 50% stake in African banks. Mm. Um, as, as a consequence, obviously, of the 2014 curatorship process, um, and it has made it clear in a number of reporting and periods that it wishes to sell its stake in order to resolve the triple conflict of interest that it does have. Um, particularly to this um, division. So the Reserve Bank has indicated plans that it plans to list um, African banks um, in terms of um, a share listing, um, but I, I think this will be delayed um, until the Greenwald Bank has fully integrated um, into African banks. So we'll just wait um, for those um, developments to take place. Mm. And, and I guess, you know, when you look at this, uh, their decision here to sell their banking operations to uh, African Bank, uh, I mean, what's the strategic rationale for them? Um, and potentially, what could they do with that money? I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot of acquisitions set to happen out in the freight and logistics space. I mean, we saw uh, DP World, um, you know, out of Dubai acquiring Imperial not so long ago. Um, and uh, I guess, um, is this going to set the stage for much more sort of uh, activity in so far as uh, transfers of economic ownership are concerned in this sector? Yes, I think. Yeah, the story, Victoria's Secret. Uh, yeah, maybe before we get there, what is the 15% pledge? What's that? Yeah, so I think it's an interesting one because the uh, 15% pledge um, comes from actually an organization. It's an, a non-profit organization um, that has um, asked many businesses in the U.S. to dedicate 15% um, of shelf space um, to, uh, to black-owned businesses. Um, and where that 50% comes from is because... Um, that's the amount of black people, uh, 50% is the amount of black people um, in, in with regards to the U.S. population. Um, so this obviously group has garnered a lot of retail companies, um, and they've got the likes of your Bloomingdale's, your um, Nordstrom, your um, Sephora, where they've obviously, these companies have made it packed that they'll be diversifying, uh, particularly their organizations, but it, more importantly, will be promoting more black um, workers within the organization. Um, so that's the drive particular of this organization. It's very quite an interesting one. Um, and that obviously, Victoria's Secret um, has also obviously taken the pledge to also form part of this group in terms of being part of the pledge and the initiative to just transform the business from internally um, so that it becomes more representative um, of the, the customers that obviously buy their product. And then, I guess, in the case of Victoria's Secret, um, they, they've had their own issues in the last while. Um, you know, just about, I guess, uh, the culture. Many people saying it's patriarchal, misogynistic culture. Um, and also, seemingly, I guess, uh, one where there's very, very limited, less than 3% of uh, suppliers who are black. This is, you know, even at uh, 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 the events that they have where people are walking the ramp right through to some of their upstream suppliers of uh, the products that they sell, uh, and even some of their online stores where they partner up with mm-hmm. people online. 
not further long to save its image mm. um, after years of criticism, particularly with regards to marketing strategies and also inclusivity in terms of the size, in terms of um, the models that are very much appear in terms of their products. But I think it's also coming from competition if you realize the likes of your um, Rihanna Savage Fenty, um, who's very much, um, when they market their brands and their clothing, um, very much representative of every size woman, um, whether you're black or white, um, Hispanic and so forth. It's very much representative of that. Um, and Victoria's Secret um, has, got, has obviously jumped onto that bandwagon now in terms of just transforming mm. its new campaign and the features in terms of the models that they have. So I think the latest um, was an initiative uh, that they've uh, indicated featuring uh, a, a model who has Down syndrome and um, for the first time particularly for the group. Um, so this is an effort to obviously be in line with uh, not only other brands, but also they got about 18 women from diverse backgrounds um, in, in an effort obviously to celebrate all women um, in, in different sizes, be it your pregnant woman, be it mm. your um, plus-size model, transgender woman, models, um, for example. So I think it's an initiative that they've obviously garnered on, realizing the importance um, of having a diverse model range. Um, although the retailer hasn't unfortunately dropped the conventional model completely, um, however, in this new um, campaign, it has featured um, particularly women who are more diverse in terms of how they look. Akona, we'll have to leave it there uh, for tonight. Always a pleasure catching up with you and uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much.